0: I'm Larry Cao, Content Director at CFA Institute. Today, I have Xu Ming of Lingfeng Capital with me to discuss fintech development in China. Welcome. Thank you, Larry. Very good to be here. I think you have a very unique background. You know, you have a very uh, deep uh, experience. You have many years of experience in the financial business, but but you have a a background in in computer science. So so maybe we start from that, So, so AI. So what do you think, what is the uh, recent development in AI uh, that's actually leading to uh, all the attention that, that it's getting? Uh, first of all, f- uh, the recent development
1: ar- of artificial intelligence is very closely coupled with that of the uh, data technology as well as the computing technology because they are really different sides of the same coin. Um, a lot of the intelligence, you can only draw that with sufficient large amount of data. And secondly, they compute a lot faster. Uh, but from our experience, you know, when we look at financial services, we clearly see artificial intelligence, specifically machine learning or different branches of machine learning, such as deep learning, transfer learning, is really enabling areas such as credit analysis, such as fraud detection, such as planning for um, wealth management projection progressions, and, and the same thing is also applying to healthcare. For example, we're seeing very selective and successful application in the area of a diagnosis, for sure. Especially those are very the data is very digital, or they have a very digitized input. For example, imaging. Um, you know, those are the areas where where uh, we see machine learning driven artificial intelligence is already finding very successful applications in the uh, large domain, which will have important impact to our daily life in the future.
0: Fascinating. You've touched on a couple of other areas in, in financial technology or FinTech and people are talking about uh, quite a bit. Uh, one is uh, uh, cloud computing and the other one is big data. So these are our concepts or, or products or technology uh, that have been around for quite some time. So what are some of the, uh, the changes right now that are making them more prominent? Clearly they are receiving a lot more, a much better s- reception because after
1: some earlier examples, you, you go into the uh, fast uh, adoption phase, and cloud computing as you know, being exemp- uh, exemplified by AWS, by AliCloud, and by Tencent Cloud, et cetera. Uh, they are really attracting the applications for younger companies you know, to be on the cloud computing platform for two reasons. One, essentially the re- main reason is both from a computing resources perspective and from a maintenance perspective, and to a certain degree from data security perspective, are lowering their cost to operate for these companies. And, um, and then for example, you know, w- is com- cloud computing has a huge storage aspect. And by sh- having an economy of scale, it lowers the cost to store the data and, and the security aspect of that. And in the computing aspect, because you have similar to electricity, you have different at the peak time, it's more expensive. And the, uh, the lower, you know, the uh, non-peak time, the computing power is less expensive. So therefore, for certain applications, you can actually have those companies run at non-peak time. You know, for example, animation, etc., and produce the same result at much lower cost. So all these are something that really lowers the barrier of entry for younger companies with strong computing needs. To start operation instead of building its own IT infrastructure.
0: Great. Similarly, like to what you described about AI, mm-hmm. what do you think are the implications for the uh, 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 application of big data and cloud computing and finance? What can mm-hmm. they do for financial companies? Um, for sure, um, you know, AI, a lot of the AI eventually
1: will happen on the cloud computing platform, and therefore AI as a service will be a um, Prominent concept, you know, more and more widely accepted concept going forward.
0: Right. Many people talk about this A, B, C, D of financial technology or fintech, and, and now we talk about A, AI. We talk about uh, C, cloud computing. We talk about D, big data. Uh, so maybe we talk about B a little bit, of a blockchain. So what do you see as the role of blockchain? How how it might actually impact the development of financial services? Um,
1: Blockchain, relative to the other three concepts, is at earlier stage. Um, nowadays, to our understanding, most of the blockchain technologies um, find still find, especially in the overseas market, right, non-Chinese market, are finding applications in the institutions. For example, uh, Australia Stock Exchange started doing the underlying infrastructure with blockchain with some, you know, a, according to public news, with some pretty good success. And uh, on the consumer level, is at the earlier stage, we are watching closely on that. But for example, some of the applications in China we have found people using, uh, for example, a Beijing based company, they have used blockchain technology very success- successfully uh, to increase the efficiency of border trades between in the Guangxi province, between chi- border trade between China and Vietnam. And, and also, there will be applications. For example, in the, uh, clearly the, the earliest, the killer app was the Bitcoin, right? And all the uh, digital currency, but we'll leave that aside in a way that's blockchain 1.0. But we are we're seeing more in terms of the uh, intelligence contract uh, application for the blockchain. And those are actually what blockchain are even moving towards on the next stage. And recently we see some startup in, in China using blockchain to um, trade commercial papers and to, um, to, to uh, um, split or make the transfer of um, supply chain finance instruments more efficient. And those are at the earlier stage, but we do see prominent future in those aspects.
0: Let's focus more on the application side in finance. Uh, what do you see? What are the areas that are you're seeing more applications of these technologies in finance? And how y- how you're seeing these technologies uh, changing finance in a way? Um, in many ways, financial
1: finance is always enabled by technology. If you track that for 500 years, from the days of the gr- uh, grand navigation, right to you know generation of technology, really lower the cost to connect and the lower the cost to serve. So so therefore that makes financial services and products reaching more and more people and enabling more and more uh, large and small businesses alike. Um, so therefore, you know, we see that, again, finance remains largely the same. You know, you have the uh, uh, corporate finance, you have the consumer finance, etc. And, et and so, so what we do see is that there will be a significant uh, drive in both aspects in China. And specifically, the most recent um, sort of spin for China, which in really enable once we capture it well, now already propel China into the uh, m- one of the probably two or three most prominent market uh, in the world in terms of not only the application of FinTech financial technology, but also the, the scale already reached in terms of the application. So for example, in, in China we see a very strong growth in the area of consumer finance and you know for all the startup, you know, or the uh, the unicorn startup such as and etc which I had the honor to serve earlier on was that you know they really captured the mobile technology to be able to achieve essentially democratization democratization of financial services to make more and more people who were previously underserved by the existing financial infrastructure to use to re, uh, receive products that are suitable for their needs and then uh, be able to enjoy the certain aspect of financial freedom and services, clearly, all of us have a long way to go on that. you know from the consumer lending area, there are still more people to reach, better products serve, and sometimes the rate is still high, the risk management has a lot of area to improve To more per- more and more personalized insurances, for example, the insurance in China is still very underpenetrated, not only compared to the world but even compared less favorably to our neighbors in the East Asian countries. So all these insurance will be an important life uh, aspect for people's life. For many areas you know we are we have more and more assets accumulated so property and casualty insurances is going to be important to us you know beyond what we are already aware of and we're living longer and longer and, and therefore we have opportunity to contact into more disease and health problems so health insurance and life insurances will be an important part of our life. It just takes the right product to really uh, awaken people's needs. And then, um, but the fundamental needs is there. And then we we see great prospect for companies that can really innovate in their areas, whether they are coming from the traditional background, you know, large existing license holders in the, in the insurance industry or the startup that are coming uh, into the field. And uh, last but not least, um, you know, China is gradually going to a mature growth area, whereas hundreds of million people have accumulated wealth, you know, whether that's housing base or, or, you know, other, um, based on other monetary means. But there, there's a huge need for asset reallocation, you know, be that more away from the savings, which was the traditional form, or, you know, diversifying from their housing, which now for a large urban population is a big component of their whole balance sheet. Um, And also in in a way that at the right time for international diversification. So all these will have,
0: uh, you know, will create wonderful companies going forward. So consumer finance, insurance, and wealth management. Mm -hmm. It seems the uh, the success of fintech companies in these areas uh, have a unifying theme is that where they've actually been serving the underserved and the unserved uh, market segments. So do you see that uh, as a trend that will continue, or do you see a fintech company eventually challenging traditional financial services? Um, I think it will be a, uh, forever a
1: combination of challenging and collaboration. And, and that's not only for China, that has been the case throughout the world. And for example, in, in the U.S., you know, we see um, way back into the 90s, right, there were a lot of fintech companies, for example, in the trading area. Uh, before, yeah, I remember when I was a student, um, in the early 90s, I did my first trade by calling my broker in, at Merrill Lynch. And I had very little money, so I, I, my first trade was something, some, something like $2,500. And I paid $55 for my broker fee. And, and then, lo and behold, we have the likes of TD Ameritrade, uh, E-Trade, etc. coming in. And they lower the cost by over 80%. And, and I have been uh, with them ever since. Now that once they, s- they started with simple stock trading, now that they have the portfolio advisory services, they provide a very large um, um, suite of excellent fund management products with a very transparent information for us to make decisions in terms of a portfolio asset allocation, etc. So in a way that they started with disrupting or challenging the traditional phone broker, now that in many ways they are already reaching the uh, overlapping the area with private banks. So for so that's one area. And then secondly from a consumer lending perspective, you see Capital One started again, you know, a few decades ago. They were a typical you know, f- using the technology then, a FinTech company, in a way that they were the big data and big analysis company back then. They were using the data they could collect, analytical skills and modeling they built to serve the near prime and subprime customers for them to receive lending. Very similar to some of the uh, companies that we see today. And the same um, innovation you also see in the payment area, in the insurance c- area, etc. you know, you can find Plenty of examples across the world, in terms of helping customers to customize their products and have a um, uh, you know a better financial experience.
0: So, in your examples, particularly the trading one, the electronic brokers ended up actually changing the industry for rather significantly over time. Do you see similar uh, level of changes in other parts of the financial services industry?
1: Um, for sure. Um, you know, insurance will be like that, and uh, and then RoboAdvisor is really coming into uh, taking a larger and larger shares in, in our world and in a way that, now that TD Ameritrade is probably considered a traditional financial service companies, and they and their peers are also getting into the uh, advisory businesses. So in a way that, e- there's no traditional company or startup companies in many ways. They are o- only the difference in terms of whether the operating philosophy within a given company, large or small, are traditional and conservative versus change embracing. So I- in many ways, we see that, at least in the other markets, some of the more innovative companies may be the large companies. For example, um, you know, when, when, I, when we were at uh, on financials back a few years ago, we're looking at internet banking business in areas outside of China. And then clearly there were some, you know, well-known internet only banks. And s- they in fact, they started in the mid 90s in the States. The first internet bank was, I, if I remember right, 1992 or 1994, founded there. But, and then the surprising part is, when you look at in terms of the customers and in terms of the, the, the breadth of the products, the largest so-called internet bank was actually Wells Fargo. Uh, it, has the lar- it has over, if I remember correctly, four 40 million uh, customers, even back then, in the four, three or four years ago, whereas the largest internet only bank had about a few millions, definitely under 10 million customers. And later, they were all absorbed into the larger, many of them, the leading ones, were absorbed into the, uh, the larger financial service companies, including Capital One, and, and etc. So so in a way that um, if you look at, if we can expand beyond what we see now and in our market, we see across on the with a global vision, we clearly see that the innovation is a continuous process. And it's just up to the individual company, large or small, to grasp on that concept and then have the team to deliver that.
0: So that's a very important message. I think for financial institutions today, it is a high time to start embracing financial technology, uh, the the latest financial technology, if they haven't started already. So thank you all for tuning in. Copyright
1: 2017 CFA Institute. All rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.